0: Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk.
1: Anyway, we're enough. We're in week one of parenthood. What we're doing now is we're going to take four weeks out. Of the of the uh, of our time to just look at how we can be better parents, better grandparents, but even beyond that, how can we be better champions for friends of ours that have children for uh for our nephews and nieces? The reality is if you have any connection whatsoever to little ones, uh, this series has something for you so I share that saying that if you know you don't have a a seven-year-old sitting at your home or at your table, don't tune out in the next four weeks saying, well, I'm done with this, because I believe there's something for all of us here, because really what we believe here at this church, what we believe Scripture teaches, is that uh, it's not just parents that are in charge of raising children, that, that God has placed us in a biblical community A a tribe, if you will. And we all bear some responsibility for the next generation to be raised. Uh, We all have a little stake in the game. And if you don't believe me on that, I I just go back to, you know, recognizing the reality uh, that, you know, one day, if you're 30 years old and robust health and strong or if you're 50 years old and robust health and strong, or if you're 60 or 70 years old and you're strong and robust health, one day you probably will be in a nursing home, and you will be staring up from your bed at a 20-something, and one of your prayers will be, Lord, I pray that this person was taught right by their parents. I pray that this person has a strong work ethic, and they're kind, and they're generous, and they have grace, right? And, and the reality is not just in that environment, but one day we're going to see another generation become the next police officers and firefighters. They're going to be the next store clerks. They're going to be the next city managers. They're going to be the next governors and, and presidents. And we pray that this next generation will be raised under godly principles so that we, so that we will reap the benefits of that as an older community. I know when, when Dax was born, uh, and, and Dana was still in the, in the operating room, and it, there was a few moments where it was just Dax and I in the room together, and he was under that heat lamp, reminded me of a burger and fries at McDonald's, right? And I remember... You know, looking at the nurse saying, "Can I can I take him from that? Can I can I pick him up?" because I didn't know how critical that was, you know, if he just needed to be there. She said, "Oh, yeah, absolutely. Pick him up." And I remember holding that little boy and my head was just spinning, right? Thinking of all of the possibilities. And I became began to just get overwhelmed thinking of my responsibility and thinking about the the what now? And we spent a week in the hospital uh, at at Cox, and you know, that was kind of like summer camp, right? Because there was plenty of doctors and nurses to take care of responsibilities and and help us, and so many people coming in to visit that the the idea of really parenting at that point still had not set in. For me, it was when we were loading all of the stuff on a cart, and we're trying to figure out how the two of us are going to take all this stuff downstairs along with a baby to load up the car, that for me, that was when reality set in, when we were going out into the cold, cruel world. And I remember in that moment almost having just hyperventilating. I, I was having almost a panic attack because I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, I don't want to leave the hospital. You know, the hospital here, it's safe. Let's just, let's just stay here for another week. Can we, can we stay here for one more week as we kind of get our bearings and get our feet underneath us, you know? And I know, of course, that I didn't even utter that because I knew that it was impossible. But I started just asking the question, what is it? What is it that, that I'm expected to do now as a dad? What is it that Dana's expected to do as a mom? What does God look for, for us? What does Dax look for? Uh, for us to be. And started just asking myself that question, asking myself, what is the target that we need to be aiming for as new moms and dads? And it might be that you are asking yourself that question. It might be that you, even if you've been a parent for a generation, might still be sitting there scratching your head going, man, I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm still trying to figure out, Tony, what what it is. Because let's face it, in parenthood, there are lots of pitfalls, aren't there? There are a lot of traps. There are a lot of side roads that we could be tempted, and it seems like our society puts in front of us to distract us, to take our attention away from what that target is that we need to be aiming for every time with our, with our kids. You know, it's, it's hard It's hard to even define a target, but once we have a target set, it's almost impossible to keep our eyes on that target all the time. Let me tell you what my target is. This is a target that I'm living for and and trying to aim my parenthood for. And I would encourage you to maybe think hard on this. Perhaps perhaps this is something you should adopt, you could adopt in your life. Because every day when I'm waking up in the morning, I am living out my dadhood, my parenthood, with the understanding that Dana and I we we need to parent we need to parent so so that we would gradually transfer my child's dependence away from me away from Dana away from us until it rests solely on God you see that 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 is what i believe every parent is called to live out in our in their lives that we recognize that when we're taking that bundle of joy that bundle of woes that bundle of trouble that that endless that bottomless cash pit that you start investing in from day one once you take that little baby home he, he or she it solely depends upon you right And we have seen parents and we know parents and maybe we are parents at times that we live in such a way that we expect our kid to solely depend upon us for the rest of our lives. Some of us parent that way purposefully. Some of us do it on accident. Why? Because we don't have a good target, right? Let me tell you, if you are raising kids that depend upon you when they're 30, 40, 50 years old, I don't need to put scorn on you. All I'm saying is, your pastor is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry because you're going to regret that, and you're going to be embarrassed by that, and you're going to have tears over that, and you're going to you're going to regret that move. But rather, what we want to do uh, is is we want to transfer their their requirements, their their dependency upon us. Now, get this because. Because we say, okay, if we don't transfer dependency or we don't keep dependency on ourselves, well, there's other parents that raise their kids in such a way that they transfer dependency upon, away from the parents to what? To, to maybe a spouse. And we raise children that will say, okay, I'm looking for that perfect love in my life to take care of me and to provide all my needs for me. Again, I think that's a pitfall. Some of us, we're really proud of ourselves, and we say we're raising kids that can stand on their own two feet. And hear me, that's not a bad thing. I'm not critiquing that at all. But I'm saying this, I'm saying some of us, our our target is, well, I want to slowly transfer the dependency from my life to put it squarely on my kid's shoulders so that we're raising kids that when they walk out into the world, they're 100% independent. Everything is upon them. And hear me, that that yes, that's responsible. Yes, there's a lot of good things that come with that. But here's also a problem. We're in essence creating little deities also. We're creating these little gods where we're telling them of, hey, you know what? Everything depends upon you. Everything, every, you know, all the responsibilities on your shoulders, I wonder, now I don't believe, I don't, I'm not saying this is biblical truth and you know, thus saith the Lord here. I wonder as I've been thinking about that, if sometimes when we do that kind of parenting, if we're in our minds developing a system where we're putting all of the dependency upon our kids so that one day we can, we can rest assured that, that we can be dependent upon them one day. right? Uh, that, okay, you took care of me, now I'm taking care of you. I think all of those things, there's pitfalls, there's, there's problems with all of those angles. And what we need to be doing, the target for us needs to be that we, we raise our kids in such a way that we slowly take the dependency that they have upon us and we move it, we transfer it to that our kids one day will totally depend upon God to meet their needs, to care for them. To, to, to provide for them. We slowly do that through their life. We don't do it all at once, but, but that is the target. Now, hear me. I don't believe that I'm just making this up out of nowhere. I didn't come today with the idea of, i got to fill 25 minutes of time, so let's just, let's just come up with some statement and let's run with it. I'm, I'm convinced that this is found in Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you have a copy of Scripture, I invite you to turn to it. If not, we have it on the screens. Deuteronomy 6 says this, "...these are the commands, decrees, and laws of the Lord your God, directed to me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess." This is Moses talking to the children of Israel. Verse 2, "...so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God." as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. You, you see what, what is Moses saying? He's saying, in order for you to enjoy long life, and you to experience long life on this earth, in order for you to enjoy it, what must there be in this place? There must be future generations of people who fear and love God with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind and all their strength. That's the target for us to be aiming for, is to raise a generation of children who love God and fear God. Now, let me tell you, that target is a hard target. That target is not an easy one to hit. I wish sometimes there was a machine or something that we could have to help us see how to make that happen on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment Uh, Experience. Matter of fact, we're going to watch a video uh, that talks about such a machine. I wish we had something like that in our life. Marcus, would you cue the video for me? boy like that little boy had that viewfinder. Don't you wish Don't you wish there was a viewfinder that you had where you could just look into it and look for those moments that God could use you in a profound way with your children? Wouldn't that be great to be able to have such a simple device to take the guessing out? Because I, I know that it is hard. It is hard to parent the way God would want us to parent. But you know, here's the beauty of it, that yes, we don't have a viewfinder made from Fisher-Price out of plastic that we can put to our eyes but we do have a viewfinder found in God's Word that can help speak into how we are to parent how we are to grandparent And, and we just continue with this passage that we find ourselves in in Deuteronomy 6 we skip down to verse 4 and Moses continues on he says Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, we are told. I would argue that the very first step of how do we gradually take the, the, the dependency that our kids rely upon us and gradually move that to God's shoulders the very first step is just to answer the question and settle the question, are we as moms and dads, are we passionate about loving God? Do you love God is what I'm asking. It's a, important for us to look at our hearts because here's the reality is all of us, we're here, a piece of us f- for being here if we have children is because we want our kids to know, come and, to know and love God. Uh, here's the thing that I've learned is it's impossible for you to give something you do not have, right? Moms, dads, you want your kid to love God. They're probably not going to love God. Or I'll, I'll say the path is much more difficult for the next generation in your family to love God if you don't love God. So do you love God? Do you want to make God a focus in your life? Or will you make God the focus in your life? You see, I discover here in America, especially in southwest Missouri, there's a lot of spiritual folks. There's a lot of good folks out there, but what they're oftentimes asking for and what they're wanting and, wanting and what they're desiring in their lives really kind of vexes me a bit because I find a lot of good folks, they want God in their lives as a part of their life, but here's the problem. At least as I go through this scripture, I don't see one call for God to say here's how you can I can be part of your life. I see regularly a regular drumbeat of God saying I am the Lord your God. I am to be your life. We're not as family members as moms and dads. We shouldn't make God just one of the many things that we focus on, but it really needs to be the primary focus in our lives. How we work depends upon what we view about God. How we play depends upon what we view upon God. Uh, How we sleep, where we live, what we do with our hobbies, how we spend our money. All of those things need to revolve around the question of what is God in our lives? And now if you're sitting there going, Tony, I don't know. I don't know that I love God appropriately. I don't know. Maybe that desire was there once, but now it's lukewarm and it's cold at best today. What I would say is for you to start here, pray, Lord, help me to love you with more power and with more of my strength and with more of my heart. Start there. Start with just saying, God, I recognize that my passion for you is just a bit cold. It's just a bit, it's a bit low right now. And so maybe, moms and dads, right now, this very first step you take for your family is to say, God, would you begin to fan in me a flame of deep love and deep commitment for you so that you're not just a part of my life, but you're the central thrust of my life. You're who I am. You're the definition. And God, help me to begin to then transfer my kids' dependency from me to you throughout all of life. Start there, perhaps. The second thing, we, we begin to, we, we must first look at our own hearts to, as we as parents, do we love God? But then we go on in verse 6, Moses continues, he says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. In other words, everything you do, everything you're thinking about, is it trying to figure out how to convey the truths of God to your family, to your children, to your kids? Verse 9. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What is Moses talking about? Quite simply he's saying he's not giving us a list of things that we're supposed to check off every day, but what he's saying is lead your family. He's saying parents, as you love God with all your heart, now lead your family. And he's talking about some a leading that is intentional. That's probably one of the greatest problems we have in America today is, is we have a lot of moms and dads teaching their kids things, but we're not intentional about what we're teaching, right? We're not, we're not sitting back and, and taking a strong look at how we're leading our kids, how, what are we teaching our kids on a regular basis? That would be very interesting in a, in a conversation I would, I would encourage you to have with your family, and that is, what are we teaching our kids? What are we we teaching them on a regular basis, based on what we say, based on how we spend our money, based on where we go to vacation, based on how we spend our time, how we spend our work time, based on how we talk, how we treat other people, how we treat each other, how we treat them? What are we teaching our kids? Uh, That is profound because many of us, and, and, and this is true in the church too, many of us are leading unintentionally. We're just going through life like a whisper. We're going through life like a, a breeze, right? Like, uh, like that feather that's in the wind. We're just, just allowing whatever breeze to blow us and to, to blow our family along. course. And as Dave mentioned in his prayer, you know, there are a lot of winds blowing in this world today. And we have to now, especially more, if not more now than ever before, it's pretty close. We have to be so intentional about what are we teaching. So the question is, what do we teach our kids? You know, I believe there are at least seven things that we need to put on our target. I believe that there are seven things to think about. I apologize. That was my microphone, I guess. There are seven things. First of all, I would say that we need to trust in God. We need trust in God. And, and I would argue that this is something that every season of your life you need to be speaking into with your kids. Do you, do you trust in God? Do you show your kids how to develop faith? and how to put your trust in God in real time. Is that that one of the things on your target that you're just saying every season of my family's life, we're just gonna speak into trusting in God and I'm gonna show my kids how I trust in God and I'm going to, to teach them and challenge them to trust in God on a regular basis. Another target, a second thing that I believe every family needs to speak into their lives and that is the area of spiritual discipline. We need to teach our kids how to live out the spiritual disciplines that God puts forth in his word over and over. What are you talking about, Tony? I'm talking about just the discipline of prayer. Are you teaching your children how to pray at home? Are you relying upon the church to do that? Are you teaching your kids this is what it looks like to read the Bible as a family, to read the Bible as an individual? Are you teaching your kids the idea of assembling together on a regular basis to worship? Are you teaching your kids the spiritual the spiritual discipline of of uh, tithing, of being a good steward with the resources that God has given us? That's a question for us. A, sec- a third thing for us to look at that I think every season of every life that we need to just spell into our kids' lives, especially in this world, is the idea of moral boundaries, right we need to help our kids develop moral boundaries in life why so that they uh, not because we're prudes not because we're the cosmic killjoys of the universe right but we believe that because of moral values that god sets up in his word that that gives us the possibility that paves the road for our children to experience deep intimacy in the future with a with a future husband or a future wife and so we, as parents, we need to be teaching and instilling moral values, right? We need to be the same kind of people in public as we are in private. That, that, you know, Oftentimes we put on our best mask when we're at the workplace, right? Or, or we put on our best mask when we're together at church or you're in the, in the public square, and then you're a different person at, at home when no one's watching. Guess what? Your kids are watching, Matter of fact, dads, I'd say this to you specifically, and I don't say this whimsically. I don't say this where I'm trying to just do a preaching machine gun at you. But this is what I found to be true. The things that you hid from your parents when you were a teenager, if you don't deal with them and deal with them immediately, those become the things that you hide from your children in the future. And yes, just as your parents figured it out, your children will figure it out as well. So don't let that be the case, but be people that teach, teach, spirit, uh, teach good moral boundaries. An, uh, another principle for us to teach on a regular basis uh, every season of life is what I call good friendship. Good friendship. This is an area we could spend a whole season on this. Uh, I would ask you, are you teaching your kids of how to make and keep healthy friends that have high moral character? Now, I say this because there might be people that I'm speaking to in this room right now that that you would be this person and hear me, I, I don't want to offend and I don't want to insult and I don't want you to be like, oh boy, that that Pastor Tony is just a jerk. What's happening is this is moving around too much on my hip there, Brandon, so it's not the pack, it's me. It's my problem. Um I say this about friendship because I don't, want, I don't want to insult, but I just want to tell the truth to you because I believe in this day and time, I owe you the truth. There has been this lie, this thing that has been going on ever since I was a youth pastor 15-plus years ago, 25-plus years ago, really. And there's this concept, and I believe it was the, the enemy trying to get into our lives through a back door. There is this concept called friendship evangelism. And, and we embrace that with the idea of, okay, I need to go out as a, as, a young co- as a young college kid, as a young high school student, and look for people who are different than me with the hopes that, they, that I could influence them for the gospel. And let's just be honest. Let's be honest. As parents, some of us, from my observation over 25 years, some parents embraced that concept because it took some of the onus away from us of guarding the kinds of characters that were coming into our doors. And so when our, when our kids were bringing home friends that really shouldn't have been in their lives, as a mom and dad, instead of you taking a hard course saying that kid is not going to be in our lives, um, you were able to be like, oh, well, they're trying to influence him for Christ, so I can back off here. Let me just tell you, this is 25 years of ministry here. I have never witnessed of the thousands of kids I've ever met I have never witnessed a kid who entered into the cesspool of human life, right? into the degradation of just, just darkness, and they consistently brought one friend after another friend, wrote, helped those people rise up. But what I have seen on a regular basis, I have seen regularly good kids getting into a, a world that they don't belong in With the idea of, I'm going to impact them for Jesus, and I've seen those kids get lowered. I've seen those kids, they they begin doing things they said they'd never do. They began believing things they thought they'd never believe. Are you saying, Tony, what are you telling me, not not to have my kids share their their faith? No, 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 not a bit, not a bit. But what I'm trying to say here is I'm trying to say, guard, guard so tightly who it is that's going to be speaking into your kids' lives. Make sure they have the exact same values that you want your kid to have. And if you experience as a parent, as a mom or as a dad, that your son, your daughter is bringing around a person who you're really having question about their moral fiber, about, about what they view on truth and how they live their lives, don't just sit on your hands and go, well, you know, I'm just going to trust. I'm going to trust my kid knows what they're doing because here's the reality. They don't. They don't know what they're doing. That's why they need your help. So help guide them to build and be around good friends, good friends. And I won't get into it too long, but there was a a case even, there was a young lady who works with Dana, a college student, who we really were allowing and having uh, uh, her spend some time with Dax and and babysit Dax. And Dana came home a couple of weeks ago and was sharing about this conversation where we really saw this 20-something. And hear me clearly, this 20-something wasn't like you know wasn't a devil worshipper or something like that but she was giving some sharing some attitudes with Dana that were just things that we don't want Dax to ever experience and and at that point as Dana and I were talking about that we both came to the same agreement we were like you know what she's done sitting for him we don't want Dax to casually pick up the cross chatter that she's having with her friends on the phone perhaps We don't want him picking up those attitudes one day. So we're just going to disconnect that relationship. We can do that easily when he's six. It gets to be harder. It gets to be harder when they're 16, right? I, I understand that. But guess what? It's impossible. It's impossible to do it at 16 if you're not doing it at six, right? It's a little bit easier to at least give, to at least have a groundwork. If you already got a groundwork built when they're teenagers, where they're looking and understanding, hey, are the people that are speaking into my lives, are they people of high moral fiber? Do I know how to be a good friend to them? And do I know uh, how to keep that friend? Because friendship is something that has to be taught. We live in a world that doesn't understand friendship. Another thing that we just need to be looking at on a regular basis is wisdom and truth. We're seeing, we're seeing this today, in today's day and age. There's a lot of people that are running around and they're just fools. They're fools. Why? Because we don't value wisdom. We don't value truth anymore. So are we, are we teaching in our families how our kids can seek after wisdom, how they can seek after truth in their lives? A sixth thing that, that the Turners just want to instill in Dax's life every season of life, is ultimate authority the idea that god is the ultimate authority of your life not your pocketbook not your not your own wisdom not your own understanding god is the ultimate authority he has the final say of what goes on in your home do you teach that is that on your is that on your your target there And then a final thing that we just try to live out, we try to show Dax, because this is so counterculture, and that is the idea of wild generosity. Wild generosity. Do I consider others before my own interests? Will I help try to bless other people, even if it's a bit painful for me, even if it's costly to me at times? These are the things on our target These are the things that that I would argue that every parent, every family needs to look at. These will help us shape how we take our, our child's dependence from us and gradually place it upon God's shoulders. If we do, if we live these seven things. Now, hopefully, because I'm still new to this whole app thing, hopefully right now if you check your phones, there is an app. Uh, the, the Northbridge app that you're a part of. If you don't have the Northbridge app on your phone, I would invite you to go to your app store and type in Northbridge Church and look for the Red in, and that's us. Download that app. It's a free app. It's a great tool that we use to help keep communication going between everyone in the church. Uh, I put, at least Friday I did this, I hope it, it, it took uh, Friday, I created a, uh, uh, a question that should be downloading at, at 930. It should have downloaded to your app, which I asked the question, of these things, what area do you need to look at in your life? What area do you need to build in your life? What are these areas where you'd say, Tony, you know, I'm not living this out whatsoever in my life. I, it's a survey I put out there, so I'm asking for your feedback because what I want to do is pray for you. I want to pray for you this week in that area. And so this question I asked you is totally anonymous. So when you type it in, there is going to be no way for anyone to see your name or to know who you are, including the person who created that who created that app, me. There's no way to see it, but it's a chance for you to respond and say, pray for me in this area or that area. Pray for me with the area of ultimate authority. Uh, and what I'm going to do, if you were to respond to that question, that gives me feedback in real time of how I can pray for our church and how we can pray for one another this week. And so I invite you to, to if you have that app, if you have that question, to, to answer that question and give some feedback to me today of knowing how we, where we sit as a congregation. Because the reality is we don't do this perfectly. And let me just say up front, I understand I don't do this perfectly. And so if you're if you are experiencing me of saying that, please forgive me. That's poor communication on my part. Uh, I mess this up all the time. There are times that I talk, I teach Dax to trust in God, and then my actions do not measure up to what I want, to my standard, right? What is that called? It's sin. <laughs> and, and so I repent, and I keep on moving forward, asking God to continue to work in me. And so what I'm asking you to do is just look at your life and go, what are these areas... Where are these areas, is there an area here where I need to lean into heavier as a mom or as a dad? Because after all, you can't give what you don't have. You also cannot lead where you have never gone before. So I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you this week about these areas. Are you living them out in your life? Are you exposing these areas to your kids on a regular basis in every season of their life? Doug wrote a song uh, that we'd like to share with you as we conclude today. And so what I'm going to do is pray for us and then Doug's going to come up here and he's going he's to kind of give a capstone today uh, about what we've talked about through song. So let's pray right now. Father, God, we come before you. And Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for the fact that you've given us a target. You've given us something to hit upon something to aim at about how we parent our kids. And so, Lord, these areas, these seven guideposts, would they take deep root into our lives as we as we try to send them or give them to our next generation, oh God. Lord, I do pray for this generation that are in our families right now. Oh God, would you mold their hearts, would you... Change them. Would you do a work in their lives? There would be young men and young women who love you deeply, love you sincerely, who live their whole life to honor you and to enjoy you, God. These things we pray in your son's powerful name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northbridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.